0: That's Indeed.com slash sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about Super Draft. Fun new way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's different than the other sites. There's no prices. You play the guys you want. It's an exclusive multiplier point system, so the cheaper the guy would be on another site, likely the higher multiplier they got. Yeah, football, a big tournament each week, and twenty-five thousand dollar total pot, um, ten dollar entry fee. Awesome stuff there. They got baseball, golf, tons and tons of fun right now. I'm imagining they'll swoop into basketball as that season is right around the corner. So come check out Superdraft in your app store or Superdraft.io online. Use promo code Bubba when you signed up, and you'll get a free ten dollar deposit bonus when you make your first deposit of ten dollars or more. So promo code Bubba, Superdraft. Awesome, awesome time there. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton as they're starting some new ways to regulate the podcast and rate the broad podcast and all that good stuff. So if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate it. But for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba, Episode 212, recapping the Fantasy Football Week 2 action with a look ahead to Week 3 with Steve Rappin of Fighting Chance Fantasy. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba. Episode 212, going to recap your week two fantasy football action with a look ahead to week three. It's going to be a fun one. Got a special guest on the show to help break it all down for us. You can find him on Twitter at FantasyGeek37. He's a part of the Fighting Chance family, like family, literally. And um, his name goes by Steve Rappin. How are we doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing great tonight.
1: How are you doing, Bubba? I am doing great. Um, I, I I really, if we if we didn't want to, I figured we'd just keep talking offline. But I might as well hit record eventually. Uh, the The conversations are great, but it is it is awesome to have you on. I've I, I've always enjoyed the Fighting Chance folks, and uh, I don't know why it took me this long, but I'm glad you you're on the show to talk a little fantasy football with us.
2: Well, well, I'm glad to be able to join you as well. And you know what, Ryan and I like to have a lot of fun over at Fighting Chance, and we got a great group of people with us um we don't take ourselves too seriously we do a lot of kind of like fun drafts throughout the season where we'll just be bored one day and and we'll say let's draft the best 90s tv shows or the best comedy movies and and we'll just pick you know random people on twitter we'll put it out there first come first serve and you know we always try to to keep it light um and keep it fun but still give you a lot of the the best fantasy football info out there so man i'm happy to be here tonight yeah i think that's
1: one reason why i really gravitate to you guys over there is I'm a pretty like low key, sarcastic, just roll with the punches type guy, and it kind of it fits in with a lot of the stuff you were just talking about there. So I enjoy what you guys got over there. Before we get started, you mentioned some of the, the some of the you know different wacky things you guys do over there. Why don't you let everybody know what you guys got going on at Fighting Chance so they go check it out.
2: Well, first of all, let's just say outside of the football. If you want your football stuff, we can still got you there. We have um, our guy Gary Haddow goes through and does weekly waivers. We got Casey Kasem does streamers. Um, We have Kevin Tompkins putting out his rankings every week. Um, We have, boy, we have our podcast. We have Brian Drake and and Dwayne McFarland doing the Tuesday Night Hustle. Um we have Polka Pat that does some some hockey coverage. We're we're known for football, but but you can still get some good hockey coverage from us as well. Um, man we just got a great team every day you can find something new out there right now we also have we talked about the fun stuff ryan is recruiting right now he's a big fan of survivor and we've been doing fantasy survivor um, for the last several seasons and last year we had one or two people from previous seasons that were in the group we ryan and i also had the war dog who was on last season on our podcast who's a big nfbc fantasy baseball player um, you can check that out on our site, fantasy uh, FightingChanceFantasy.com, and, and go to the podcast section. Um, so that's kind of the fun thing that we got going, uh, in addition to the football stuff that you can find at, at our site daily.
1: I love it. Yeah, everyone go check it out. It, it, it's fun. I've done the um, the summer blockbuster drafts. I've done some of the other fun fun ones they've got there. I've done some of the movie ones. Um, I don't notice it all the time, and then all of a sudden I'll get a DM from Ryan. Hey, you want to vote on this real quick? Oh, yeah, dude. So, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I, I have fun with it because it is fun debate. So, go check it out. Go get the fantasy and all the other good stuff over there at Fighting Chance. But let's talk some week two with kind of a twist to look ahead to week three here, Steve. We'll kind of – we don't have to go super deep on every game, just kind of hit the, the highlights for those people that might have some fantasy questions out there. We'll start in Tampa Bay at Panthers, that wonderful Thursday night football game where Winston and company look bleak, Cam Newton's banged up, and we'll start right with that. And when I made this outline last night, the news of Tuesday has not dropped yet, but Cam Newton is not practicing. The team is basically saying he re-aggravated his foot injury, and we're just going to see, like, play it as it goes. We have no timetable for this. It's going to be, we're going to wait till he's healthy, but we don't know when that's going to be. It doesn't sound great. What's your thoughts on this situation? Like, we'll just kind of group it with the Panthers offense as a whole. If Cam Newton's out, you got Allen, Kyle Allen coming in to play quarterback. You still have the weapons there. What's your thoughts on a fantasy perspective?
2: Well, first of all, with Cam, I don't know if if he re-aggravated or if it's been bugging him all along. I mean, the guy only has five rushing attempts on the season. So it's obviously been bugging him, you know, an injury that he suffered in, in the preseason this this year. Um, yes, maybe he re-aggravated a little bit worse, but it's obviously been bugging him. And here's what scares me about Cam. If this foot doesn't get healthy and it bothers him all season long, He's a career fifty nine point six percent completion percentage quarterback, less than sixty percent. And if he, and if he's not going to be able to rush for those six seven hundred yards and six to nine rushing touchdowns that he has, I I, I fear he is going to be a, a fantasy wasteland this year when it comes to that. So uh, I guess it kind of depends on his health. I think McCaffrey is still going to be fine with this injury. Um, and their weapons, I think, are dynamic enough, especially with the the DJ Moore and the in the Curtis Samuel, that they can still, you know, find ways to get them the ball, regardless of whether it's Cam and Kyle Allen. So I think their their value might take a little bit of a hit. Um, but Cam, I'm I'm really worried about it. If you drafted him as your quarterback one, and you don't have a quarterback two or a strong quarterback two, you might want to look to the wa- waiver wire.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, I've had multiple people ask me even going into like right after Thursday night, like, would you drop Cam Newton for Josh Allen? And I'm like, yeah, I probably would. Cause like, I'm like seriously concerned. Like you said, I don't think he was ever healthy. I don't know if it was his foot. I think it was his foot. It seemed like, like he's not rushing, but maybe he's still kind of favoring his shoulder. He didn't want to take the contacts. I have no idea, but he did not look right either week. Um, It, it looked bad at times. So I'm with you there. I think it's going to be really interesting. And this could, if the Panthers are smart, they wait a while until he's completely healed, but we know how that plays out in the NFL these days. So we'll kind of wait and see there. You hit on CMC, he's going to be fine. This was one of the weirdest play-calling games I've ever seen when it came to Christian McCaffrey this last week. Did not understand how they used him at all. The the, the question, the last question for the Panthers side of this that I have for you, though, is uh, Greg Olson, out of nowhere, this is going to be a, an easy answer here, he went six catches for 110 yards he looked good, but he also looked kind of old and beat up at the same time. It was it was weird. But, you know, if there's a young quarterback coming into play, wants a little safety valve, Olsen's on a lot of waiver wires. How does the guy that like Greg Olson stack up to you right now?
2: Well, I agree. I think he he is definitely a guy that you need to look at at the waiver wire, especially with you know people like like OJ Howard underproducing, with Hunter Henry hurt. Um, there's a lot of question marks at the at the tight end position. So I think not that that he has the the upside of of some tight ends, but I think Greg Olson is definitely a guy that you know you could see on a week to week basis. He's had nine targets in each of the first two weeks, and we mentioned the use. I mentioned DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. One thing, Ron Rivera. And or Turner probably aren't necessarily known for his creativity. So maybe those guys do take a little bit bigger of a hit than, than even I mentioned before, but they do like to throw to the tight end. So I, I think he will be a fine waiver wire replacement if you need it, or kind of that low end tight end one high end quarter or tight end two that you could use on a, on a pretty regularly ba- regular basis.
1: I like it. Yeah. No, there's something, as long as he's out there, he's going to be giving it to you as Like he basically broke his nose put some uh, tampons in it, and he went right back out there. He was ready to roll. So uh, no fear, in Greg Olson. On the Bucs side of things, there's a lot of question marks in that offense. I don't want to get into all of them. But I think the biggest one that had fantasy owners just grasping for, you know, jumping on bridges at times on Thursday night is O.J. Howard. Where was O.J. Howard? That was the question many had. What level of concern do you have there? Because, like, Bruce Arians is laughing about it right now. going, oh, the balls will he'll, – he'll get the balls. He'll get the balls. But it's like we haven't seen it for two weeks. Arians has not been a tight end guy in the past. Are you concerned with O.J. Howard right now?
2: I'm very concerned, and and here's why. You mentioned that Bruce Arians has never been a tight end guy, and you got to kind of ask yourself, has he not been a tight end guy because – um, he has not had the talent at the tight end position and he's crafted his offense in other ways, or is it because he's just a guy that doesn't like to feature the tight end in his off in his offense. And so he doesn't necessarily work to get guys like OJ Howard and Cameron Brate involved in their, in, in his game plan. So after two games, I'm kind of worried that it's kind of the latter where Bruce Arians is just not a guy that likes to feature the tight end, you know, with, with Chris Godwin and and Mike Evans and then two tight ends to kind of split the work. Um, I'm, I'm really concerned going back to his days in Arizona. You know, I thought it was because he had guys like Ricky Seals Jones and Rob Hausler and Jermaine Gresham. And um, you know, even Heath Miller had a few good years, but all the way back to 2014, He's had three quarter or three tight ends that have hit the seven hundred yard mark, and they were Heath Miller in three of his eight seasons. So, um, I I do worry about him, and and it's not like you can sell him right now because he's probably at an all time low. I think what you can hope is he has a good week or two, and then maybe move him. So I, I'm very worried about OJ Howard.
1: Yeah, and then that's the biggest thing is you can't just drop him right now, and, and the value is not worth selling him for. But you got to hope maybe this week when he, they 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 flow into. Uh... Against the Giants, who can never cover a tight end. Hope he has a monster game and he can flip him or something. That's what you got to hope for. All right, let's head over to the Cardinals Ravens. A six point Ravens victory, close game, but uh, maybe the score doesn't show everything that took place there. As Lamar Jackson, you know, got it done on the ground and through the air. Mark Andrews did his thing, but Kyler Murray in that passing game was still very dynamic. We'll get to that in a minute. But Steve, what's your thoughts on Lamar Jackson? We saw him take care of a very bad Dolphins team a week ago this past weekend. He takes care of a Cardinals team that doesn't play great defense, moves at a super high tempo. But now he's going to be heading into Kansas City. He's going to be facing a tougher schedule going forward. What's your thoughts? What's your expectations on Lamar Jackson?
2: I think Lamar Jackson has the potential to be a top five quarterback at the end of the season. Fantasy quarterback, I guess I should say. Um, I love what they've done. They've surrounded him with good weapons. You know, if you have a quarterback that – Maybe struggles with accuracy. At least that was his reputation. He's looking pretty good so far as, far, as far as accuracy goes this year. But you give him a guy like Marquise Brown, who can do a lot of damage after the catch. Um, he can he, he can either stretch the field or catch the the short slant and and do his damage after. They give him a guy like Miles Boykin, who's got a big catch radius, who can go up and get the ball um I love what they've done from weapons and and then we all know what he can do with his legs so I really like Lamar Jackson I don't really care the matchup because I think he can he can beat defenses with his legs and in and, and move the ball on just about anyone in my opinion so I think he's got a potential to to finish as a top 5 or even top say 3 fantasy quarterback this season
1: I love it I love it it'd be great to see that happen uh because he's not just a running back folks not 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 bad for a running back to be a top 5 Quarterback. Um, in that same matchup, we saw Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, who in the Miami game only played like 14 snaps, everyone was concerned, still had some crazy, crazy plays, but the whole argument was he can't do it on such a short work workload. This past week he gets 13 targets, still doesn't have a ton of snaps, but obviously more than the 14 before. It seems like he's not the full-time guy, but when he's out there, Lamar loves him. From a fantasy perspective, how how much do you like? Marquise Brown, how much do you trust Marquise Brown on a week-to-week basis?
2: I like Marquise Brown as an NFL wide receiver. He scares the hell out of me on a weekly basis um from a fantasy perspective. So if you look at DFS, he is definitely a DFS uh tournament GPP play. Uh, I I would not touch him in cash lineups. So He's going to be one of those guys like a, you know Deshaun Jackson in the past where he goes off one week and then he disappears another. I think we're going to see that several times throughout the season. That said as an NFL court, or NFL wide receiver, I love what he can do, um, and I think he's going to be very good for years to come.
1: I like it. I like it. Last piece on the Ravens real quick. Uh, Mark Andrews had a monster game, eight catches, 112 and a touchdown. That's back-to-back big weeks. He seems like the guy that um, – Lamar Jackson wants to go to early and often if you had to just kind of guess or, or kind of put your spin on it where do you see Mark Andrews kind of fitting into the realms of tight ends by season then is he a, the, the fifth best tight end is he better than fifth like where do you see Andrews finishing things out
2: I'm scared to put him in the top five um that being said I really like him and I think he's, he'll definitely finish in the top 10 but I think he's more in that kind of Six to nine range, and and I don't necessarily think he'll push the the top five. Um, I was, and maybe it's because I'm still a Hunter Hurst guy uh, or a Hayden <laughs> Hurst, excuse me. Um, and, and I think that he's going to get more involved as the season comes along. And, and so will Miles Boykin, in my opinion. They got a lot of youth on that team, and I think they're all going to have their their share in the offense. So I like Mark Andrews. I think he'll finish in the top ten. I'm not ready to, to, to project him to finish in the top five this year, though.
1: All right, let's flip over to the Arizona side of things. Kyler Murray, once again, had big, big fantasy production from a play-by-play standpoint. Might not have been the most efficient, but the, the bits I got to see, the Ravens were all over him. He he looked a lot better than I. He, sta- he stood in that pocket, and, and he made plays. He forced it to DJ, or not to DJ, to, to Fitzgerald, to Kirk, uh, got they're getting over twenty percent target share each. Like they're getting so much, it's crazy. So th- this receiving core between Murray, Fitz, Kirk. Do you believe they can keep this up? Like, I, I guess it's hard not to believe it. But do you believe that this is what we're going to see time and time again? And you're getting to steal like where you drafted Kirk and, and Fitz in your drafts this year.
2: You know, I do. I, right now, he's the, the quarterback 13 in fantasy, which he was drafted maybe a little bit higher than that. I, I've seen him go anywhere that 9 10 down to 13 14 range. Um, but look, he struggled for roughly three quarters against the Lions, and then he really came on strong at the end of the game and in overtime. And then he looked pretty good against the Ravens. Now, the Ravens had a few injuries in the secondary, but. Look, he's a quarterback 13 already. Was struggling for 3 of the 8 quarters that he's played in, which were the first 3 quarters, and he hasn't even really shown what he can do with his feet yet, which he I think he will add, you know, a decent amount of rushing yards this year as well. So, you throw in Fitz and Kirk, which I'll be honest, I I was one of the guys that was lower on Christian Kirk going into the season than than most, partly because he's kind of that natural slot receiver where Larry Fitzgerald is playing right now. I figured it'd be another year until Fitzgerald goes that he really hits his his true stride. But I think with, with Fitzgerald and Kirk there, Kyler Murray improving all the time. I think that offense is going to be pretty darn good this season.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think they're going to surprise some people. Like I, I said, this, this Ravens game was a lot closer than I think a lot of people thought that the Cardinals actually looked good. Like they had three field goals in the first three quarters and, it's almost – and they're fourth and short. If they're just a little more aggressive, who knows what could have happened. It could have been real interesting. So Cardinals be fun to watch the rest of the way. Let's go Steelers, Seahawks. Steelers lose by two. More importantly, they've lost Big Ben for the year. Tommy John surgery. No, this is not a baseball podcast of Bench with Bubba, folks. This is football. Tommy John surgery for Big Ben. So insert Mason Rudolph, who they drafted out of Oklahoma State, big-time quarterback. What's your thoughts going forward now with Rudolph at the helm in Pittsburgh?
2: Well, first, before I even say what I'm going to do that I'm going to apologize in advance because it's only a matter of time. I'm in a hotel room right now, and this chair that I'm on is wobbly. I won't say it, but AF. And so if you hear a big crash and then a big moan, um, (laughs) leave that in the show because it will be good entertainment because it's only a matter of time before I fall off out of this chair. So – Let's get to the the part with Mason Rudolph. You know, he was a third round pick. It's not like this guy was an undrafted free agent or low round pick. He, you know, I've been in Devi leagues for several years, and there were some pretty high expectations for him in the college ranks that people thought he would be a pretty darn good pro. So in the preseason, he looked to gel pretty well with James Washington and with Dante Moncrief struggling like he is. I, I think he's even technically been or officially been benched. I'm not sure. He probably should be if he isn't been officially. Um, but I think James Washington is a guy that I think you should add in, in, you know, kind of standard size leagues. And we saw him hit Vance McDonald for, you know, two touchdowns late in the game after big Ben went out and in what does a quarterback without a lot of experience like they like that safety valve over the middle of the field. And so I think Vance McDonald actually gets a little bit of a boost with, uh, Mason Rudolph in there. So I, I, I think Mason Rudolph. Gives Vance McDonald and James Washington a boost. Juju might get a slight drop, but he still it will get his. Um, but the rest of them, you know, the other wide receivers, I'm, I'm, you know, you got to kind of take a pass on.
1: Yeah, so even, like, I agree with the Moncrief tape. He needs to be gone. I think he got, after he dropped the, one of the early passes with Rudolph, hit off his helmet, got picked off. He went to the sidelines. James Washington came out there. They James Washington and Rudolph went to college together. They played together. They had a report in preseason together. Do you have any interest in a guy like that or do you want to stick with your it's juju, it's Vance, and then the running back situation of Pittsburgh?
2: I'll take a flyer on James Washington and in, in a twelve team league, as long as you know I have a spot, I'm looking to add James Washington because you know, he's that big play potential guy. Um, kind of that deep thread, and and he could he could hit a home run for you on certain weeks. So, not that I'm necessarily going to look to to add him to add him into my flex spot right away, but you're always looking to kind of churn that bottom part of your roster and see if you can improve it. and And he's got the potential to be a home run hitter. So, I'm definitely looking to add James Washington and kind of those standard twelve team leagues. No doubt about
1: it. Just uh, for some news for people, James Connor hurt his knee. He's supposed to play Sunday, so keep an eye on that one. On the Seahawks side of things, Russell Wilson threw for 300 yards, threw the ball like 35 times, which is big for them. Like one of the first questions I have here, we loved Chris Carson after week one because he was the bell cow. He still had a heavy workload this week. But Rashard Penny also had 10 carries and was a part of the passing game. Do you have any level of concern here when it comes to Penny and Carson now? And it looked like Carson was the standalone
2: guy. You know – I I do. I think Penny could work his way in and and maybe it's because you know we've seen Chris Carson put the ball on the ground in each of the first two games. Um and so fumbles are one way to get a a, a running back his butt on the bench and so I think that could be the one thing if he doesn't get those ball control issues under control I could see Rashad Penny Um, gain some steam and and traction in this offense. Penny is an explosive guy. I remember watching him on the, I don't know if it was Thursday night or Sunday night or Monday night football. I remember I was in a hotel room again one night watching it. uh, He didn't have any carries, but, man, this guy is just so explosive. Um, I I do kind of worry. Don't get me wrong. I think in the short term Chris Carson is going to be fine. If you see him put the ball on the ground, though, I am very concerned about him throughout the course of the season, keeping his workload intact. Yeah, no, I'm
1: with you there. It's always the, it's the one way to get a running back put on the bench That is a hundred percent true. So it'll be interesting. I'm a big Chris Carson fan, but I did not like seeing that this early in the season when it comes to the receivers though, Tyler Lockett, I was a big fan on coming into the season week. One was not what we expected week two, though. 10 catches for 79 DK Metcalf still a very important piece of that offense. We know it's a team that wants to run, ball, run the ball a lot, Steve. But what's your thoughts on Lockett and Metcalf going forward? Do you think you know, they're a, you know, maybe a week-to-week matchup deal, or is there actually viability in these guys?
2: I think there's viability in Lockett. I think Metcalf being a rookie and being kind of that, that big play threat, he might be a little bit more volatile. I would still I, – I probably wouldn't bench Lockett right now. He'd be in my lineup every week. Even if they don't throw a lot, I think those two would be the ones. I'm not necessarily sold on Will Disley and, you know, other guys that they have out there. He had two touchdowns this week, but that's not going to happen every week. So I, I think they're still going to have – just enough volume that Lockett will still be, you know, get his for fantasy. DK Metcalf might be one of those guys you consider on a flex play each week depending on the matchup and so on. Not necessarily a must start, but I'm going to say I'd probably have him in my lineup more than I wouldn't the rest of the season, but the rest of them, no. I'm, in that passing game, I'm staying away from all of them, including Will Disley.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you get that Disley question because I was, I try to be nice to people when they ask questions, but I'm like, guys, guys, don't do not do it. Just 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 don't, please. It's not worth it. Um, let's go to the Cowboys at the Redskins. I'm a big fan of this Cowboys offense. I preached it after week one, this passing attack. Kellen Moore, uh, they, they took the play calling role roll away from the ginger, and it's showing. It, it's very, very nice what Kellen Moore is doing there. Uh, we'll start with, with Dak continues to just be great. I like think he's got, I think I read like a 72% completion percentage, which is just wild times. But Zeke got his. Zeke ate this past week. I think people can relax there. Michael Gallup. Gallup out, he had his knee scoped. He's out two to four weeks. What's your expectations with the receiving core there? Because Cooper looks great. Zeke's going to get his in the running of the passing game. Smith made an impact. You have Cobb. Who do you think kind of fills in for Gallup while he's out?
2: I think it's going to be Devin Smith, and we kind of saw that this week. I mean, he only had three targets, but three catches were 74 with a touchdown. He's another guy that I still remember. He was my first ever devy league um pick when they graduated into the nfl um my first ever rookie pick he was a um a, what was it a third round pick i think it was or second round pick um second round pick for the jets out of ohio state back in 2015 um the guy's got a lot of talent never really shown it with the jets we all know what their quarterback struggles have looked like for the Jets for the last few years, so I don't necessarily all blame it on them. Amari Cooper will still get his. I think Randall Cobb might see a slight uptick. And I'm not ready to add Devin Smith quite yet, but he's definitely on my watch roster. Maybe maybe on, in deeper leagues, like 15- or 16-team leagues, I think I would I would probably put a flyer on him. 12-team, he's just on my watch list, but he's a guy that I think could fill in while, uh, while we see Michael Gallup out. Nice, nice. On the
1: Redskin side of things, it's another week where, you know, Trey Quinn's getting the workload but not the production. On the flip side, Terry McLaurin, people, you know, waiver wire Darling going into last week. He was goose-egging it in the first half. Second half, though, finishes with five sixty-two and on a score. Are we still in on McLaurin? Uh, you know, the, the air yards are through the roof with this guy, so it seems like, you know, they're going to want to keep getting on the rock. Are we going to keep buying into him each week?
2: We are. I mean, this guy, you know, he was one of the quietest third round draft picks in, in recent history, in, in my opinion, anyways. And, and being a Lions fan, I'm always a, a big fan of the NFL draft, just because that's the one thing that a Lions fan has to look forward to every year is the NFL draft, because we always pick high. But anyways, um, look, this guy <laughs> was kind of a combine hero, ran a four-three-five forty um in college in this draft class coming in. He was first in yards per target with 14.3 yards per target in, in the NCAA last season caught 71% of his targets, which, which was ninth in the draft class. The guy, he has some talent. They don't have many weapons there to throw to. So, yeah, I think he's going to be, you know, I would probably feel pretty confident leaving him in my lineup every week. That being said, I do think you mentioned Trey Quinn. Um, They have uh, Chicago coming up this week, and, and usually they have Buster Screen um, guard their slot receivers. So he could be a sneaky sneaky play this week as well. I'd, uh, it's more of a desperate. Play, but keep an eye on him this week um, across the middle for Washington against Chicago as well.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. Trey Quinn's got the talent. He just hasn't put it all together yet, but he could be interesting. Him and Chris Thompson, just underappreciated fantasy assets in Washington because it's the Redskins. Um, Absolutely. Let's go to. We'll, well, we'll just talk real quickly on this bloodbath. It'll be the weekly. Why do we talk about the Dolphins game segment? Because we have to. Because there's so much fantasy relevance when the other team beats them to a pulp. But um, the Patriots now with Antonio Brown on the field, love him or hate him, and most of us hate him for obvious reasons. We still got to deal with them in a fantasy aspect. He goes off, catches four of eight targets, still goes 56 in a score. Gordon had some fun. Amendola kind of got, you know, out of the mix there a little bit. They have a slew of running backs. Always a ton of options in New England. If Antonio, and that's a big if week to week pretty much, if he's in there and you have Antonio – amandola and Gordon every week it's a defensive nightmare but it's also a fantasy player's nightmare Steve how do you approach this on a week-to-week basis this is this is like the old days with you know the Saints uh it was it's miserable it was tough to do.
2: Well, in, in I would say this, I was one of the biggest Antonio Brown fans that there was. Uh, I'm a CMU Chippewa, he's a CMU Chippewa, um, went to the same university, of course not at the same time. I graduated just a few years <laughs> b- before him, but I got to be honest, this guy has lost his freaking mind. Yeah. And so um, it's hard to be a fan of him. The way that he's kind of self-destructed over the past, oh, I'd say, what, eight months since the end of last season. Um, But anyways, here's what I think. I think he's going to hurt Josh Gordon the most. I think Edelman's still going to get his across the middle of the field. He's still far uh, far Brady's go-to guy. So I think Edelman will still be good uh, on a weekly basis. I don't think we're going to see much decrease in his value. But those that drafted Josh Gordon, you know, once the news of his reinstatement, when I was at the Kings Classic um, prior to the season drafting um, in Canton, Ohio at the Hall of Fame, it was right after the news of Josh Gordon's reinstatement into the league came up, and, and he got bumped up into the fourth or fifth round of the snake draft. And and honestly, that's where he was for most of the rest of the preseason after that news. And and I think with Antonio Brown going to New England, he's the one that's going to be affected the most. So, yeah, I, I do worry if you drafted Josh Gordon. I think right now he's kind of in flex play consideration Whereas before you could almost look at him as a wide receiver two maybe three, but, but he's definitely in flex play consideration right now.
1: Yeah, no, I was a big Gordon guy. I was taking him. I was taking him in early drafts before he was reinstated going like super late going, I'm going to take the gamble. It's Josh Gordon. And then when he got reinstated, I was doing backflips, which it says a lot for a guy my size to do backflips. That's pretty, pretty (laughs) agile on my feet, if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, that was, uh, I was pretty pumped on it. And then the second they got Antonio, People were asking me why I was so angry, and it was pretty simple. But, um, you know, Gordon will have his games here and there, but like you said, it's hard to just trust him in your lineup outside of like a flex wide receiver three. So we'll see how that goes. Well, Bill's Giants, nothing too crazy. Josh Allen's actually really freaking good, contrary to people's beliefs. Um, John Brown and him like each other a lot. That's pretty self-explanatory for now. But let's just talk about the elephant in the room that finally happened this morning on a Tuesday morning. Eli Manning has been benched, and it is the Daniel Jones season. It is happening. Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback. Looks good in preseason. People were kind of sketchy about where he got drafted. What's your thoughts on this Giants offense now? You, know, you still have Saquon. Shepard will be back sooner than later. Ingram's there. What's your thoughts there with Daniel Jones at the helm now for potentially 14 more weeks?
2: I think it's only going to – give give a bump in value to guys like Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, in my opinion. Eli Manning has never been a high completion percentage quarterback. This year he's at 62%, 62.9, but he's still on for a, a career low, tied for career low, 9.9 yards per completion. Um, no, part of that is because the weapons that they have, they don't have the Odell Beckhams and things like that. So the weapons they have, the Sterling Shepherds and the the Evan Ingrams and even Saquon, Saquon Barkley, are, aren't going to be running a lot of long routes. So part of that comes into play, but I think Daniel Jones is going to be able to stretch the field a little bit more. I think he definitely can't necessarily be worse than Eli Manning. So I think Golden Tate is a guy that if he's not owned in your leagues, I'd definitely scoop him up um for the potential of what could happen with with um daniel jones in there Shepard his con- concussion scares me a little bit because you never know with head injuries but that being said just about every year sterling shepherd outproduces his average draft position he's a ppr um golden boy in my opinion and i love sterling Shepard. so I, i'm going to try to buy low on both of those guys
1: yeah when we get to the end we're going to recap all the new quarterbacks we have this week and kind of rank them out how we feel about them but there is an interesting group we get to talk about here later, and I agree. I think Daniel Jones, he can't hurt them. Like, it can't get worse. So I, uh, you might as well sh- try it. It just surprises me if they're going to do this so soon. Why did you even start the year with Eli Manning? That's the part I can't quite understand, but I don't get paid to sit in the front office. I just get paid to talk about him on a, on a microphone on my computer. So that that's where that's where we go on that one. Jaguars, Texans, not the most eventful football game until the end when I'll give uh, – Doug Marone, some credit for some cojones going for two for the W. I'm a big fan of that when you're not expected to win and you have a chance to win and walk away with the win, I like that. Um, the first question I have besides just wearing amazing outfits, stretching in his shock strap before the games, Garden Minshew is a legend. Um, people don't really, all they're seeing is this stuff on Twitter now, but they don't remember him from college. Like he was actually really good at Washington state before he went to Washington state, Alabama wanted him to be their backup. So if you're, Good enough to be Bama's backup. You're not just a scrub. Like, you're not great because you're not the starter, but you're not a scrub. Look at Jalen Hurts. He was the backup, and now he's torching Oklahoma. So Minshew is not like a, a scrub. He's not an elite, but he's not a scrub. He had 213 yards, a touchdown, like 56 yards on the ground. Not a great game, but not horrible. What's your take on Gardner, Gardner Minshew going forward? Because Foles can be out for a little
2: while. Well, you know what? The kid's got moxie. I like it. Yes. Like you said, he he's got... Um, a track record, not necessarily in the NFL, but, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is no joke. And so um, he, he held his own, you know, I mentioned it with Chris Carson earlier, putting the ball on the ground. He did fumble the ball three times in this game. So um, that is a little bit of a concern, but, but look, it looks like he's going to be their quarterback for this foreseeable future. One thing I like about this team is for a young quarterback they have a lot of different weapons for him. So he doesn't have to rely on that, forcing the ball to that one number one receiver and try to put it in a tight window with, you know, the guys like D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark and Marquise Lee coming back. And, um, you know, they got a bunch of guys that are all kind of the same. And I like that for a young quarterback because it gives them options. Um, So, yeah, I do like Gordon Minshew. And and I don't, I, I think, you know, this week, it isn't necessarily an indicator of what he's going to be over the next coming weeks. I think he will be a better fantasy quarterback than we saw against Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I'm a hundred percent
2: with you. I think he's gonna be very, very
1: good. So I don't mind that at all on the Texans side of things after week one, everyone loved Duke Johnson. Well, that was a pass heavy game in new Orleans this past week was slower when they can run the ball. Carlos Hyde had 20 carries. It was like Jekyll and a Hyde situation, no pun intended, but it really was. And I'm afraid we're going to see that a lot this year. So if if you buy into that then yes if not tell me i'm wrong and explain but if you buy into that it, it's going to be kind of a week to week you know game flow system how do you approach these guys on your fantasy team
2: i think if you if, if someone out there spent a fourth or fifth round pick on duke johnson um they're going to be disappointed like i mentioned before with whatever player it was i can't even remember but anyways you know, he's been he's been rushed by Carlos Hyde, 30 rushing attempts to 15 already. And where Duke gets a lot of his value is in the receiving game, and he's only got six targets on the season so far. So I think the addition bringing in Kenny Stills, you know, they got DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller is healthy now this year. Kiki Kuti is coming, at, well, came back. And so they have a lot of options. So he's not necessarily going to be used in the passing game like I thought he would be. Um, and I think uh, Carlos Hyde is going to get more more play in the rushing game. So I I think if you're in standard size league, standard leagues, non PPR, I think Carlos Hyde's going to be the guy to own. I think PPR is still Duke Johnson's game, but I I think he's going to be disappointing this season.
1: Yeah, I've always been a Duke, big Duke fan, but like I told people, I liked him when I drafted him as like my running back four, and I knew what his role was. Now it's just kind of like, no, this isn't the Duke Johnson role we used to play. This is, this is a different guy. So it's kind of tough there. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a long year. It's almost mm-hmm. like if you know it's going to be a, a high-octane game to play Duke, if not, probably not playing him that week.
2: Yeah, and that's yeah. the bad part with Houston is there's, yes, you could have a high-octane game, but there's not going to be many games where their big underdogs are falling from behind a lot, which is the game script that you need for a Duke Johnson game because so, they're too good of a team for that. So, yeah, it's, it's a little scary for him.
1: Yeah, and would would you be interested in picking up a guy like uh, Carlos Hyde?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not necessarily as much in PPR leagues. Um, I'd still probably pick him up, don't get me wrong. 30, 30 rushing attempts through the first two games is definitely worth putting on your roster. Um, just don't expect a lot of production from him in the receiving game. Would you rather have Carlos Hyde or uh, Frank Gore? Carlos Hyde. I'm not Carlos... a Frank Gore guy. I think I think he's just a placeholder right now for Devin Singletary. I agree with you there. Carlos Hyde
1: or Adrian Peterson.
2: That's a good one. Um, I think I'd probably rather have Adrian Peterson, but that one is a tough one. Man,
1: that's, that's close. That's close. It's close because you can see the Redskins falling behind a lot just throwing it to Chris Thompson. Where it's the opposite in yep. Houston. So that's 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 yes. the problem there. Yep. All right, let's head, let's head to Detroit. Chargers squeak one out on the uh, or the Lions squeak one out on the Chargers. Chargers had their chances. Somehow, like their coach should have been fired when you don't have a kicker and you don't get a kicker during the week. You say, "Screw it, my putter can do it." Obviously, the punter can't do it. We that was established this week. Um, but one thing we did see when it came to the San Diego Chargers, Austin Eckler is a workhorse. Keenan Allen's going to get tons of targets. That is in the books. Enjoy it. Have fun. Let's go to the Lions side of things. And as a Lions fan, you have a little more maybe feel on this. Um, T.J. Hawkinson, monster week one pretty much disappears week two which tj hawkinson do we think we'll see more often this season
2: (laughs) that's a good question and i go back and forth on that because if patricia holds true and tries to follow you know kind of the new england format i think the tight end will play a big role in him but we've seen rookie tight ends struggle to to find consistency in the nfl so Here's here's what I like about Hawkinson is the guy is not only a good receiver, but he's a really good blocker as well. You know, he had a big week one, not as big of a week two, but he was still on the field for more snaps. He was on the field for 71% of the snaps in week one and 79% of those snaps in week two. He just didn't have necessarily the role in the receiving game that he did in week one. Um, I I like him. I, you can't expect week one production, but here's why I like him more. Like the week one, TJ Hawkinson, than the week two, because I think this Lions team is going to be playing from behind more than they aren't this season. Yes, they're one 1-0 and um, one. You mentioned it. I think LA kind of shot themselves in the foot. They should have won that game more than they more than you know what the outcome showed. Um, I, I think this Detroit team is is putting on a mirage right now, and they're not that good. And I think they're going to be passing the ball a lot. So while I don't expect week one production. Every week, I think he's going to be more the week one producer than he is the week two producer.
1: What we saw from Kenny Galladay this last week, everyone's been wanting to see that kind of production out of him. Do you think we get this more consistently? Because in the past, you had Marvin Jones, Tate, and Galladay. It kind of got a little murky at times. Tate's out of the way. Jones really hasn't done much the first two weeks. Galladay finally exploded. Do we think we start getting more like Stafford to Galladay connection out there, almost like Stafford and Megatron? I do.
2: I I really think that Kenny Galladay is going to be that that stud wide receiver. Uh, I am not going to put him in the same category as Kelvin Johnson, though. <laughs> I don't think you could put many wide receivers in that same nope. in that same category. But I do think that he is going to you know meet or and or exceed his ADP um, where he was being drafted. So yeah, I think Kenny Galladay his role is cemented in this offense, and he's going to be good for the course of the season. Nice, nice. Let's head over
1: to Niners at Bengals. Niners beat down in Cincinnati, forty-one to seventeen. It was a thing of beauty. Garoppolo wasn't like, if you really look at his play-by-play, wasn't pretty. But two ninety-seven for three touchdowns and a pick looks great. That's always awesome. They ran it down their throat. brita had one hundred and twenty. Mostart had a big game. Um, Jeff Wilson had two touchdowns. How do you approach this three-headed monster? Because I was frustrated because Brita was you know, 12 for 121. He'd bust out big plays. They'd put him on the bench to rest, and then other guys would get touchdowns. So I'm trying to tell people to calm down on Brita. But Mostart was very good. Wilson's a good goal line, bigger guy. What are you doing with this three-headed monster that the Niners are having on a team where you know Shanahan has no problem using multiple
2: backs? Well, and I think that's what you mentioned. He he doesn't have any problems going back to his Atlanta days with the, you know, the Tevin Coleman and, and Devontae Freeman splitting the work. And that's a guy that we didn't even mention right now, Tevin Coleman, who is out right now, but he'll be back before too long. So I think when he comes back, Jeff Wilson will, will be removed, but... Um, yeah, I, there were a lot of people higher on Matt Breida. I think this is going to be a full-blown running back by committee. Right now, it's three. I think most, I, I think Breida and Mostert would be two that I would consider for flex plays right now. Um, I don't necessarily feel good about it, but I think when Tevin Coleman comes back, man, it gets even murkier. So uh, this whole running back situation from a fantasy fantasy perspective scares me because, look, Mostert had 13 carries, Breida had 12, and Wilson had 10. You're not going to have that guy get, you know, 20 carries and the next one get six. I just don't think we're going to see it in a Kyle Shanahan system. So uh, on a weekly basis, we're going to see a lot of muddled running backs in the system. If most starts available right now, would you rather have him or Carlos Hyde? I think Carlos Hyde because I like his outlook for the rest of the season. Whereas I think most while Tevin Coleman is out, might outproduce him a little bit. Um I think over the course of the season Hyde will be the the better fantasy producer. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think that's a
1: very good call. Matt Breda or Duke Johnson.
2: Oh, boy, I think I'm gonna oh geez. I think I'm gonna go Breda. I, I think I'm yeah, gonna go I brita because I, I I think that I think he's gonna have a bigger role in this offense that Duke will on a weekly basis with Houston.
1: With this Niners, you know we're already confused. Like with so many options in the running game, the passing game has lots of options as well, including Debo Samuel, who was a big time draft pick. People were excited to have him come over here, and he he had a monster game, big second half, five catches for eighty seven and a score. Had a nice preseason. Garoppolo's still kind of getting back into game. Field. It's only his second game back, a real game back since his uh, ACL injury. There's a lot to like with Debo Samuel, but there are like Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle's obviously there. Kittle hasn't had a monster game yet. Are you buying in that Debo Debo Samuel can be that number one, like consistent fantasy receiver on the Niners?
2: Uh, He will probably, if I had to guess, lead the team in wide receiver yards. But that said, from a fantasy perspective, I am not high in him at all. I would actually kind of try to look to see if I had a 49ers fan. You know, Ryan Hallam, my partner over at Fighting Chance, is a <laughs> 49ers fan. I'd try to trade him to him if I could, just because you mentioned it. I think Goodwin will still have his role. I still don't know what the hell's going on with Dante Pettis. He did play. Yeah, I mean, wow. he was on the field for two snaps in week one. He did get on the field for 35 snaps in week two. So almost half the the snaps he was. But look, Trent Taylor still hasn't been playing and he's going to be coming back. They got another rookie, Jalen Hurd, who looked really good um, early on. So I think they're going to spread the ball around. And I, I think that if you got a guy that that needs wide receiver help, I think I would be looking to move Debo Samuel. So I think he might still lead the team in receiving yards for receivers. I'm not going to include Kittle in there. Um but that said, I don't think he's going to be a very good fantasy option in year one because of all the other weapons.
1: Yeah, uh, I can see that for sure. There's just a lot of moving parts there, and Shanahan does not care about your fantasy team. It's very, very clear. Um, he, should, be, he should. He should. I don't know why he does right, I'll write him a letter him, and send it to him. You, you should, and I'm going to have all my Niner buddies out here say something when they go on Sunday to watch that game because you know they, they have built-in Wi-Fi to the stadium for a reason. Check your fantasy scores. He should be supporting you on this one.
2: Are your um, Niners buddies? Are they expecting big numbers out of Debo Samuel this year?
1: They love him. I don't think I think they're just drunk on the fact that they're two and and they looked really good this last weekend. I <laughs> I don't think I don't think they really know what to expect. I think they are kind of surprised Breed is not the guy and are kind of worried Kittle hasn't gone off. But I like this last Sunday was a day where they were just running around. If they could run around naked, they would have.
2: They were happy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome.
1: So Like, it wasn't the prettiest of games, but Andy Dalton still gets it done. Boyd and Ross have been super consistent both weeks. Awesome one and twos, both wide receiver ones, basically, in fantasy football. New offensive coordinator. Do we think we can trust this on a week-to-week basis the rest of the way? Because the Bengals' offense has always been kind of a murky situation, but right now they look like they have a whole new identity that's a lot of fun for the fantasy world.
2: Well, absolutely, because no more um, Marvin Lewis and probably the most conservative uh, head coach in the NFL, in my opinion. I there, It could be debatable, but the guy wasn't big into taking chances. And so, so far, we, you know, Zach Taylor has definitely – Look to get his playmakers involved, so yeah, absolutely, John Ross has been a big surprise this year but if you're if you're going to be a team that struggles, put the ball in the hands of your biggest playmakers, and John Ross is that guy now, what's going to happen with him once a j Green comes back? We know Tyler Boyd can still have fantasy production while a j Green is there. can John Ross? I, I do worry about that. So I think he will he will struggle to to find the targets needed to to be the fantasy producer once AJ Green gets back. So he might be another sell high candidate right now while he's doing so well. That said, I'm gonna enjoy the ride right now and if I can't trade him, I'll plug him in every week and, and you know, watch the production.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's been it's been pretty impressive to watch and um as, as a guy that does a lot of DFS, they they've been crushing it, crushing it over there. So it's been a ton of fun. Vikings-Packers, AFC or NFC North, you know, battle uh, rivalry action here. The Packers, 2-0. That defense looks fierce as heck compared to years past. We'll start on the Packers side of things. Aaron Jones, 23 carries for 116 and a touchdown. Uh, Jamal Williams still had a decent workload there, but they really, really used Aaron Jones this week. A lot of us were always complaining when McCarthy wouldn't use Jones. Now the there. Are we going to believe that this is the deal or is this just kind of a game flow situation? Cause the first week when it was a low scoring game, we did not see Aaron Jones.
2: I am going to believe it. I really think that these younger head coaches are willing to put the ball in the hands of their best playmakers. So I am buying into Aaron Jones, you know, last year, one of the knocks on Aaron Jones that he wasn't as good in pass protection, um, is Jamal Williams. So he came off the field a lot pro football focus, Um, rated him, and and I'd have to look. I can't remember how it ended up at the end of the season, but he was just as good or better than Jamal Williams in pass protection as far as PFF is concerned. So... I am I am all for Aaron Jones. You know, so far he's outrushed him 36 attempts to to only 14 for Jamal Williams. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think Aaron Jones is is that low end running back one high end running back two. But I think I'm going to put him in high end running back one for the rest of the season.
1: I love it because I'm a big fan of his talent. And I I hope that's the case because I think he's a he's too good to be wasted away there. Let's talk about the passing game. Rogers only had 209 yards. He had two scores. 106 of those yards went to Devontae Adams who you'd expect to get a heavy workload but you have MVS who had a great week one you had Allison who scores this week Um, Jimmy Graham didn't do anything this week are you concerned at all with this passing game or is it just more you know the game dictated running in the first week was a defensive battle and you know still kind of rushed from the preseason is there any level of concern here with this passing game it looks a little uh, not so flashy these days
2: I'm more optimistic than a lot of people that are spelling doom and gloom on you know, Sirius or or other websites and so on. So I think there's going to, one, be a learning curve between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, the new offense. A lot of people are saying this is going to end in disaster. I don't necessarily think it will. I think both these guys want to win enough that I think it's going to work out. Um, They play Chicago defense and Minnesota defense, who are two defenses that are no joke. You're trying to, so you're playing two good defense and trying to work out chemistry and and learn a you know a, a, the ins and outs of a new head coach so i think it they're going to be fine i am not nearly as pessimistic as others out there in this packers wide receiver game
1: yeah you know cheesehead head nation can get really dramatic really quick so um <laughs> as a lions fan
2: i've seen them do that a lot absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah they uh that's the one thing i was telling you before the pod and, and listeners to the show no i'm a badger fan and I'll root for the Packers. Like, I'm a Dolphins fan, but I'll root for the Packers. I've appreciated it. I've never seen anything like it when I'm going to fly out on a Sunday after a Badgers game on Saturday, and you go to Milwaukee to fly out, and you go to sit in a bar before you have to leave, and it advertises we have the Sunday ticket, and you're like, sweet. Every channel has – every TV has the Packers game on, and if you ask to watch another game, they tell you to leave and go to another bar. So it is a religion unlike any other I have ever seen. Oh, that's great. I love it. It's crazy. It's like, well, you advertised it out front, but, yep, not during the Packer games. Um, Last piece on this game, you know, Dalvin Cook is a monster. Back-to-back big games. I think he's got another great game coming up this weekend um, at home against the Raiders. What about the passing game, though? Cousins has looked really not great. I'm not going to say really bad, but really not great these first couple games. Adam Thielen's kind of been doing his thing. Diggs is okay, but nothing flashy. They're not playing like wide receiver ones. Any level of concern here with the with the the vikings passing game so far
2: oh i do i i this is one of the the big concerns for me because you know last year um without delvin cook, the vikings were six in the league in pass attempts um per game and so this year so far dead last um twenty one pass attempts per game that they're uh that they're doing this year so i i think they want to get the running game established i think delvin cook is going to be a monster this year um which he already is don't get me wrong i shouldn't say that he's going to be because he's already shown that that he can be a great fantasy producer but i think this is going to be a run first team i think the volume is going to to be there so the the passing game i think cousins owners are going to you know struggle uh, i think in my opinion He could be, you know, in in one quarterback leagues, I don't think he should be on a roster. In in Superflex, I would still play him as my number two, but I wouldn't necessarily feel good about it. So I'm very concerned about their passing game. Let's have fun with this one.
1: Assuming he can be hurt, but assuming he plays week to week, would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Cam Newton? Uh,
2: (laughs) I think I would rather go on the upside of Cam Newton. Believe it or not, and and I am not sold on Cam Newton, so that's that's not a, a ringing endorsement for him. But I think I would still rather maybe have his upside than than Kirk Cousins right now.
1: Yes, that tells us where Kirk Cousins is at, and I don't blame you at all. Let's go to Oakland Chiefs beat the Raiders twenty eight to ten. Raiders are up ten nothing. Chiefs scored twenty eight in the second quarter. Then somehow no one scored in the second half. Just mind blowing football. It didn't matter though. Patrick Mahomes still four hundred forty three yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Robinson had a monster game, 172 yards and two scores. Um, McCole Hardman had a big game. Watkins, people think, didn't have a big game. Well, he still had 13 targets. Uh, it was – Kelsey did Kelsey things. That's obvious. So this passing attack right now, because Tyreek's going to be out for a while. Yeah, Watkins, Robinson, and Hardman. look Watkins is going to be the guy. But what's your thoughts on this overall? Like These other two, Hardman's and Robinson's, what are their fantasy viabilities to you?
2: I think I'd, I'd feel pretty good playing them on a weekly week, a week to week basis. Uh, Honestly, DeMarcus Robinson went from being a fantasy, nobody to being a guy that, that all of a sudden should definitely be on rosters and potentially be in starting lineups every week. So he's one of those guys, I, I think Hardman as well, you know, they drafted him and everyone said he's going to, you know, at least physically, he's a Tyreek Hill clone. Um, We'll see if the production comes along with it. But so far in the early going, we're seeing that he can be good in that system, and and I think it all comes down to just seeing how good Patrick Mahomes is. This guy is such a good quarterback that I don't know they might be able to put me and you in that wide receiver out there, <laughs> Bubba, and I think we might be able to catch eighty, ninety yards. So it's crazy, I, I think right? whoever they put in there is going to be considered should be considered to be in your lineups.
1: It's crazy because he's putting
2: up these numbers. Like at the half,
1: both weeks now, he's had well over three hundred yards. It's like if these games were close, he'd be throwing for six hundred, at least five hundred. Mm-hmm. These games aren't close in the second half, so he's literally he. I, I, I'm pretty sure you probably saw it on like on TV or on Twitter. Week one when he missed the wide open Kelsey because he tried to be cute and he apologized he's like oh, I'll go buy him dinner. I screwed up on that one. <laughs> like he's literally doing stuff half the time just to kind of see what happens. <laughs> just because he's like he's like he knows if it gets close he could just move down the field and do whatever he wants so it, it's it's crazy how talented he is and somehow there's a team in Chicago that took Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes just, <laughs> just Bears so, fans sleep on that one
2: and the fun part is this week we get to see Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson how fun yeah. is that game going to be to watch like how
1: I know they have their TV rules but can you start flexing the game right now, please? That needs to be Sunday night primetime. Like, I agree. I agree. Like, everybody wants to see that game. And I swear, like, I'm assuming CBS will have that. It should probably be Nance and Romo in the booth. So everyone should get that one nationwide. It should be the game of the week. But, man, like let people do their, their errands and family stuff during the day and give me that on Sunday night. Like let me, is let, a, me let me pour a cold one or something to sit on the couch and watch some football. <laughs> it go. is a
2: great endorsement if you don't have the Sunday NFL ticket and you're not going to be able to, you know, get the game in your local market. Um, it's a perfect reason why people should have the Sunday NFL ticket.
1: Yep, this is the way. And, like, I, 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 I've I, been kind of I've been in and out every year on it because I keep raising that stupid price on it. And it noise the hell out of me. But then there's stuff like this where, yes, I just buy back in. It is ridiculous. <laughs> it is a great exactly. game to do it. The NFL does it again. Um, exactly. In this same game, Damian Williams gets banged up. Lashawn McCoy's banged up. We may get Darwin Thompson this weekend. Um, I haven't heard any news. It's Tuesday. We'll get some more news as practices go this week. But you just got to kind of keep an eye on this one. On the Raiders side of things, though, Josh Jacobs, he had 12 carries, 99 yards, one big carry, and it helped out with that he's really not getting the passing game work we thought he would get, especially in a game like this. Are you still good with Josh Jacobs? Because after week one, everyone was in love with Josh Jacobs.
2: I am because I think the passing work will come. He's shown that he does have good hands. He can be involved in the passing game while he was in Alabama. And one thing that I love about Josh Jacobs is so far through two games, he's got 12 rushing attempts in the red zone. Um, Number one in the NFL. Number two, Eight is tied with Gus Edwards, Ezekiel Elliott, and Sonny Michelle. So he's he's got twelve. The next closest is eight. Um, that just shows me that they have trust in him. They're not gonna give a guy that they don't trust the ball in the red zone that often. So I think he's gonna be a big part of this offense. He's gonna be a bigger part of the passing game, maybe, as the season goes on. And and maybe he doesn't get the the forty or fifty receptions like maybe I thought he was going to be. Maybe he still gets thirty or forty, but hopefully he makes up for that. And some of those rushing touchdowns that it looks like he might get.
1: Yeah, and that's a big part there. The red zone touches, you know, there's certain guys that Heck, you know, it as, as a Lions fan, all of a sudden you have guys running. LeGarrette Blunt gets the, the carries. Like, it's crazy times like that. So, definitely uh, options for you there. And we lost you.
2: No, I'm still here.
1: Oh, I thought we lost you. Okay, good. <laughs> We're good. Um, yeah, so let's go on to Saints at Rams. Rams pull away in this one, 27-9. Well, that's not the story of the game. The story, obviously, Drew Brees. He played high fives with Aaron Donald. Don't play high five with Aaron Donald. That's that's the moral of the story. Aaron Donald's going to win. He's going to be out having surgery. It's like UCL ligaments, almost like tearing your ACL on your knee. They're saying he's going to be out at least six weeks. Uh, We'll see if it's longer. It was bad watching him try to grip a football. Not good at all. So Teddy Bridgewater took over. Kamara was out of the game. Thomas still got his workload. What's your thoughts on Bridgewater going forward? Like, he was a talented guy. People wanted to pay him. The Saints decided to for a reason. Now they have a week to game plan. Are you okay with Bridgewater not completely ruining this high-octane offense?
2: Um, <laughs> I I worry more about what they're going to do with Taysom Hill as well. And so I, I worry and I struggle that the offense is going to – that they're going to involve Hill maybe more than they should, and it might cause the offense to lack a little continuity. So I think Michael Thomas is still going to get his. I think Kamara still going to get his. But I think the collateral damage is gonna fall with guys like Jared Cook, Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith. Um, I think those are the guys that are gonna probably hurt the most. And, and so I think it's going to be some rough going when when you go from Drew Brees, who knows the system inside and out, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the in the NFL. Um, and, and we don't necessarily know what we're gonna get from Teddy. So I do worry about the the secondary guys but I'm not necessarily concerned about the the Camaras and the Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, because even when things went bad, Thomas and I got 13 targets with Bridgewater, so not too mm-hmm. crazy there. Um, for those sleeping under a rock, Cooper Cup's knee is okay. Like, what he did was just crazy. Almost had that touchdown that, oh, man, that was wild. But uh, Todd Gurley, this was interesting to me. He, he had 16 carries, which is nice, but Brown had a heavy workload yet again, especially in the passing game. After Gurley got his touchdown, Gurley was walking around without his helmet. A lot of he's kind of doing his thing, and Brown got a ton of carries. Are you concerned with this? Like, you know, they, they said it wouldn't be a, the heavy workload in the past, but this is getting closer to 50 50 than 75 25, Steve.
2: You know, I'm actually not is concerned about that with others as well, because if his knee really has arthritis and, and is arthritic as they say it could be, I think a limited workload will help keep him fresh. And so when you're trying to make a playoff run in your fantasy football, I would much rather have a fresher, healthier Todd Gurley than a one that's running on fumes in, um, in hobbling around with his knee. So look, he's still in the season has 34 touches to to Brown's 18, um, and even the snap count, 70 to 28 and 64 to 36 through the first two weeks. Um, you know, he's on the field about two-thirds of the time, um, getting about two-thirds of the carry. And I think, to me, that's a good ratio to try to keep him healthy through the course of the season. Uh, I think what I'd like to see, since this game did get a little bit, uh, I don't want to say out of hand, but the the Rams did kind of take control of the game in the th- in the third What's going to happen if a close game, or they, you know, where they need him, is, is he still going to come off the field? I think that will be a key indicator, but right now, I'm not necessarily worried about Todd Gurley, and I think it's a good thing that they limit his touches.
1: No, and those are all valid, valid points. I, I, that's, that's a good way of looking at it, for sure, because it just looked weird. I was watching that game live, and when Brown was doing his thing after that touchdown, they kept showing the sidelines. And Gurlius didn't look happy not being in the game. It was weird. It just had a weird vibe to it. But maybe that's just playing on the Coliseum in general. Weird vibe.
2: Um, no, yeah, let's let's hope we don't start hearing grumblings. I don't want to hear that at all. Yeah, I could totally be doing that whole,
1: let's overthink the situation.
2: Um, we'll be amateur psychologists. What can we talk about about psychology and what, they're, what these players are thinking? <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: I know what these guys are thinking. Multi-million dollar guys, I know what they're thinking. Um, Bears-Broncos. Uh, the ending of the game was entertaining. It was about what you'd expect from these two teams. Let's just put it that way. Poor uh, poor execution at the end gives the the Bears the 16-14 lead, some bad officiating as well, thrown into it. Uh, David Montgomery, little banged up. I believe it's his knee. They think he'll play this week but just keep an eye on that if you own Montgomery because it was good seeing him get a pretty good workload in this really slow-paced game. But overall, the Bears' offense didn't look great. All right. So we saw the interesting game but the the question, you know, Emmanuel Sanders got his Joe Flacco was actually okay. But when it comes to the running back situation in Denver, it was scary because Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, it was basically 50 50. How do you approach this going forward, Steve? This is not good for people that really wanted some Philip Lindsay action this year.
2: And I think it's going to be that way going forward. Both running backs are looking really good. Lindsey looked like he was running hot. Well, they both looked like they were running hard. But even though that that Royce Freeman outproduced him, Lindsey still had some really good runs. A, a, a big one called back on holding. Um, they each had seven targets. So I think with both of them looking good, we're going to see a full-blown running back by committee. And that hurts me because, like, early in the season, I drafted Phillip Lindsey in the Scott Fishbowl um well I think I took him in the fourth round my second round pick was Andrew Luck that team is kind of struggling a little bit but um which by the way that's a super flex league that's why I took a quarterback in the second yes. round but and anyways um I think it's going to be a full-blown running back by committee and and if you were like me early in the season and thought Lindsay was going to have a similar role to the than he did like like he did last year I think we're going to be uh, a little disappointed
1: yeah, no, it's a, it's a shame going forward here. But that whole Broncos team, they need to figure some things out because it's not good right now. Uh, let's go to Sunday night football. Eagles, Falcons, everyone was jacked up for this game. And about the first two-thirds of it, not so much. But it kind of got going towards the end. The Eagles are the walking wounded, like everyone heard. They already said Deshaun Jackson is going to be out for at least two weeks. You know, Wentz was banged up. Uh, Wentz, Wentz and Ertz were banged up. We had Alshon Jeffrey banged up. Many, many things weren't great, but uh so far only Djax is out. What's your thoughts? You know, if with Djax out, Nelson Aguilar has a bigger role. He had a big output there. Um our Sega Whiteside, he had uh, Hollins, a couple other guys could come up and have some big games this week, and in a, in a pretty good matchup against a team I think you know pretty well.
2: I think the uh the guys to watch, if there's some injuries, like you said, are JJ Arcega Whiteside. And I think Dallas Goddard could have a little bit of an increased role um, as well. And I know he got banged up a little bit as well, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so, But yep. I think those are two guys, spe- specifically if Alshon is out, I think we could see a lot of two tight end sets with Ertz and Goddard. Um, and I think he could definitely be one of those guys that... It, and here's one of the things that I like to do. And, and I haven't played as much DFS this year as I have in, in years past. But on DraftKings... You can put a tight end in your flex, and maybe that's one of those in a tournament lineup. Put put Dallas Goddard as is, is one of your flex along with a top tight end. Just you know, it's gonna be a unique lineup, and I think he could uh he could be in for a, a sneaky good week this week.
1: Yeah, he's got that production. Like people love him. If Wentz ever went down, Goddard would be like a number one tight end. Uh he'd be in a conversation with the big boys at least. So you never know. You never know. He might get his sooner than later. On the Falcon side of things, Julio's a beast. Calvin Ridley actually was awesome to watch. Ryan really loves him some Calvin Ridley. But for me, it's the running back situation. Devontae Freeman just does not look good right now. It is not pretty at all. Ido Smith him this past week. What are you doing with Freeman and company?
2: I'd like to say he's a buy low candidate, but I'm kind of concerned as well. I, I <laughs> I'm not necessarily, you know, feeling all all bubbly about him right now. So I think Edo Smith will have a role in this offense. I'm hoping that he's just getting off to kind of a slow start and he'll start picking it up. Um, if you feel better about him, like and I like I do, I think he's a good buy low candidate, but. I mean, Ito out-snapped him in week one and, and still got almost 40% of snaps in week two, 38% of the snaps. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned on on what his role, and maybe they're worried about injury. And so they're trying to involve Ito a little bit more, like we talked about with Gurley, limit his touches to try to keep him healthy through the season.
1: Yeah, no, that would be the only thing that makes sense, because I'm watching that. And, like, Ito has, like, burst, and he runs through holes. Freeman's, like, running into lines like it It, looked, it just looked bad from Freeman it did not look like the Freeman of old so I can't wrap my head around it but it was one of those things that just did not seem right what also didn't seem right was Monday night football uh the Jets you know you got one quarterback you know finally gets to kiss a girl and now he's got mono um then the Browns come into town and OBJ let, reminds everybody that he used to run this joint in New York they went 23 to 3 Trevor Simeon was backing up Darnold. He gets out hurt out for the year. His ankle was in the left stands when his foot was pointing to the right. It was not good. Um, but Luke Falk comes in. And Luke was a another Washington State guy, decent Washington State guy. What's your thoughts on Luke Falk with this offense? Because he, he actually looked a lot better than Simeon did. He had a little rapport with Robbie Anderson, found Crowder towards the end of the game. He dumped it off the bell all day long. What's your thoughts on Luke Falk, who almost had 200 yards in his time?
2: He was a guy that was another kind of Debbie Darling um, a few years back that people were kind of surprised when he fell so far in the draft. I I don't necessarily think uh, he is as bad as his six-round draft value showed. I think he's a better quarterback than that. Um I I do worry about the weapons really with Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. There's not a whole lot to necessarily like in that, in that jets passing game. So I don't think he's, I think he's going to do better than Trevor Simeon. We've seen what we got out of Simeon. So, I, I don't think he's going to be as good as Darnold. And, and, you know, we, we've we seen what he was, where he's not necessarily a weekly fantasy starter as well. So I think he's kind of a placeholder right now. I, I don't have high expectations for him in that offense. And, and I think Le'Veon Bell is still going to get touch after touch after touch after touch in this offense.
1: And speaking of Lev Bell, like 21 carries, had so many targets and catches. He was just, it seemed like it was the Le'Veon Bell show. And he's done that for two straight weeks now. We like before this last game he's having M R I on his shoulder. The workload is crazy. Do you really think he can withstand this? Because if he can, he's gonna be a fantasy just gold mine. But it seems like a lot to ask from this guy.
2: You know, he didn't play last year, so if anyone should be fresh, it should be this guy. Um I'll give him that. And and we've shown that he's shown that he can, you know, get a quite a few touches. Um that being said, he has missed a little bit of time, but um, I, I do would like to see them scale it back a little bit, but I, I guess as a Le'Veon Bell owner in one or two leagues, I think, um, that that volume is definitely going to be welcomed right now, <laughs> but, but come the playoff time, I do worry that he'll be a little bit wore down, banged up and, and not be as good of a producer as he's doing right now. Yeah. That, that's my biggest concern, but Hey, as long as he's there
1: for the, the battle between the Jets and the Dolphins, it'll be a doozy. Uh, exactly. Last question here on the Browns, you know, they got the job done. Mayfield at 325, uh, Beckham six for 161. Chubb found the end zone, but really wasn't a part of the passing game. It was kind of a muddy muddy game, but in the end, everyone got their numbers. You would think they would have done a lot more against this Jets team, but maybe I'm just underestimating the Jets' defense. Do you have any concern with this Browns offense, a team that lost to Tennessee at home and then comes into New York? And it really took some kind of big, fluky plays to bust this thing open.
2: You know, Tennessee, I think, is a better defense than what people give them credit for. They looked really True. good in week you know, week one. I think Tennessee's got a good defense. And then going on the road in week two, look, it's early in the season. They're trying to, you know, work on... Implement or, or integrating odell beckham into this offense i think there's going to be a little bit of time for them to get some chemistry we saw it in week two that they that they definitely started gelling a little bit more but it's a whole different offense with odell beckham in there um and now that nick chubb is the guy as well so i think they're just going to get better the chemistry is going to get better every week and and no i'm not worried about the cleveland brown offense right now beautiful um before we go out of here i mentioned it earlier we're going to recap these uh, quarterbacks.
1: Because now we've got Mason Rudolph, Daniel Jones. We'll throw Gardner Minshew into this since he was fresh from last week. Kyle Allen potentially in Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, and Luke Falk. For those keeping track of home, it's six potentially new quarterbacks in the first two weeks of the season. And I might be missing others. I know that's a hefty list here. Who are the ones you'd be targeting the most this week out of that list?
2: This week, I'm going to be looking at Mason Rudolph. Um, I think he is the one, the tops out of this group that I think I would I would target at least for this week. I think over the course of the season, if I'm targeting a quarterback that I want to keep on my roster, I think it's going to be Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, with Golden Tate still not back, with Sterling Shepherd still a question mark with the concussion, uh, I do think that this week might be some growing pains for him. But I think through the course of the season, as is, is those players start coming back, I think I like his outlook the best out of all of them. So if you're looking for this week, I'm looking at Mason Rudolph. If you're looking at the course of the season, it's going to be Daniel Jones for me.
1: I love it. Yeah, I, I really do think Daniel Jones will surprise some people. I and mean, then Rudolph, I agree, too. Like, the, the pedigree is actually there. I think people will still understand it. They, don't, they really don't know who he is yet because it's all about big Ben in Pittsburgh and whoever else is there. But times have changed, folks.
2: Um, Really good stuff. Yeah. One thing I want to say about that is we've seen them rotate running backs through their system and find success. Now it's time to see if we can rotate a quarterback through their system and find some success. And I I really think that they can. I think that system is one that can sustain, you know, a a quarterback that's not named Big Ben. Um, He was there last year. So it's not like he's a rookie that's coming in and learning the system. He hasn't necessarily played, but he at least has been there and knows the system. So I I think he's going to be pretty darn good yeah he's a little bit better than who was it like Landry Jones that they
1: had there before I feel mm-hmm. a little more feel a little more confident with Mason Rudolph back there at least exactly. at least when he's winging it around he knows what he's doing a little more so absolutely um, we'll see what happens there but Steve this was a blast I'm really glad we got to do this and talk some football uh, we'll have to do it again sometime but before I sign us off here why would you once again remind everybody where they can find you and all the work at Fighting Chance Fantasy
2: well, and I want to apologize because I didn't fall off my chair for that comedic entertainment, so <laughs> I apologize for that, but you can find me on Twitter at FantasyGeek37, you can go to FightingChanceFantasy.com, find all of our content, you can check out our podcast page, um, uh, articles are on our main page, and, and all kinds of fun stuff, and like I said, Fantasy Survivor coming up, so go ahead and tweet me if you're interested and, and we'll go ahead and include you in and, and hopefully you can be playing there. Cause I think we might have a, I have to check with my partner, Ryan, but I think we might have one or two people from previous seasons playing with us again, this season as well.
1: Awesome. Everybody go check, go check Steve out over on Twitter. Like you said at fantasy geek 37 and all the great stuff at fighting chance fantasy, a lot awesome people, uh, awesome friends of the podcast. And Steve, thanks for joining me, man. I, I can't wait to do this again sometime.
2: Thanks for having me and I'm looking forward to it again sometime as well.
1: Awesome. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode two twelve, recapping your week four fantasy baseball action or fantasy football action with a look ahead to week three. Catch you guys later.